Hey, just checking to see if this is working. Are we on? Are we on? Hello. Welcome. Is this working? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. I am here again, back in beautiful Banff for another transmission on another controversial topic that I wanted to share. Continuing the conversation that began over the last week and a half about signs that you're unconsciously acting from a wound. I want to um, welcome you back. We've had a bunch of new members in this community. Welcome if you're brand new. I'm glad you're here. It's because you are interested in expanding that space between your stimulus and response. We're talking about understanding the triggers that run your life. And my name is Dr. Nima Romani. If you're here and listening for the very first time, welcome again. Um, I really love this conversation because it's a hot topic. We're talking about this continuing the series of signs that you're unconsciously acting from a wound. And I have a bunch of them up here. <laughs> I'm here in my, uh, I'm actually here on the way back. We went to Saskatchewan on the way back across the country. Um, like this has been the longest road trip I've ever taken and it's been a lot of fun. And actually I want to show you where I am currently if you want to see. I'm in the hotel room. We're here in Banff, Alberta. That's the view from my transmission today. Let me know where you're signing in from actually. Because I'm going to be talking about something pretty spicy. There's a bit of a trigger warning and um, been carrying on this conversation about signs you're unconsciously acting from a wound. Now, the first ones that we did, if you want to go back, is fixing others. Number two, people-pleasing. Number three, codependency. Number four, needing external validation. Number five, constantly living on high alert. Number six, when you have a fear of abandonment. Number seven, deprioritizing your own needs. Number eight, constantly needing to prove yourself. Number nine, tolerating abusive behavior. Uh, that was a difficult one to do. Number 10, difficulty setting boundaries. And now, part six of seven, I'm talking about continuing that conversation. I'm talking about one of the signs that you're unconsciously attracting a wound, that, that, that you're acting from a wound is attracting narcissistic partners. That's one of the signs that you're unconsciously acting from a wound. Now, I know this is a very hot topic. Let me know if you can resonate or relate with this. I'm not sure if the um, new Facebook thing can allow me to see your comments, but <clears throat> if something that I'm saying here resonates with you, please say, I totally resonate, because I want to know what parts of it are landing. I miss live, live talks. Live talks are way better than uh, this. This is the next best thing, but live talks are great because I can look in your eyes. I can, and Zoom calls are okay too because I can see your reactions and I can know if something is landing. If something is landing, please say this resonates. And if you're watching on replay, give me a hashtag replay and give me your biggest takeaway from this because it's really important for you to get this and it's a very controversial thing that I get the most uh, hate. I don't want to say hate mail for, for but... Um, online kind of reactions from people, mainly women, I'm going to say mainly women, dare I say Karens, mainly women, often named Karen, I'm not going to name names except Karen, 
who have a big problem when I talk about this because it's a big topic. You, you say the word narcissism and immediately you'll notice a trigger coming up because you have been called that and it triggers you because your ego defenses are like, fuck you, I'm not. Or you've been dating somebody who displays those traits uh, and uh, you maybe called them to your friends or to them on, on one or two occasions. And so that comes up and immediately when your reactivity comes up, you know that there's a wound. Okay. One of the signs I've been saying this, anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. So if you're triggered by anything that I'm saying, please understand it's coming from a place of a wound. All right. Now, one of the signs that you're, uh, that you're acting from a wound is working let me know if this is working okay good one of the signs that you're unconsciously acting from a wound is your tendency to attract narcissistic partners now let me explain what what the whole background of that is because I, because if you don't really understand this you're going to walk around pointing fingers labeling other people going from relationship to relationship and repeating the same patterns and so I just bumped into a friend of mine I haven't seen in a very long time named Frank. And I asked him, I said, hey, so hey, Frank, how's it going? And he told me the story of his last like 10 years in relationships. And I was listening and I just was like biting my tongue. So Frank is the salt of the earth, one of the sweetest guys. He's a happy-go-lucky guy. Um, totally lovely, lovely human being, just always just helpful uh, as a fixer type of guy with a heart of gold, just lovely, would never say anything offensive. He's just one of those softies, right? And his he was in a relationship with a woman for like seven years who basically uh, was a narcissist. She told him what to do. She said, I want this, I want that, buy me this, buy me that. And basically, if I could run the entire relationship, she ran him financially into the ground to the point where she made him buy her, she asked, she, she, he bought her a truck and put it all on his credit. He was paying for it. And then, boom, breaks up with her. He, she breaks up with him. And now he finds himself stuck in a debt of tens of thousands of dollars, 50 to 100, I'm not sure. And so he was so heartbroken over that and traumatized by the loss, didn't have the skills, didn't have the help, didn't get any coaching or anything like that, and was just mortified and went inside and shut off relationships for a while. Because he had to heal from that and then get another job and step up and start to pay off this massive debt. So what happens? He starts a few years later, finally meets this great girl. He's all happy. And then lo and behold, two months later, what do you think will happen? Six months later, one year later, what do you think happens? What do you think? Well, he now finds himself in a similar situation where <clears throat> she's a narcissist. She's always demanding. Uh, it's always about her needs. He's completely forgotten. And gets him into another further $20,000 debt because he was paying for her all this shit. 
And but basically that's, you know, what we would call financial abuse. That's one of the ways, you know, we have different with when the narcissist codependency dynamic is going on and it's the man who's usually the narcissist, the male who's the narcissist, it's usually a different form of abuse. It happens both ways, either way, financial abuse. He was basically the victim of financial abuse and he found this pattern happening and I caught him at a time where he was between relationships. And he's like, I seem to keep attracting narciss like narcissistic women constantly. They all pretty much like completely suck me dry and not in a good way. I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> and leave him just like an empty shell of who he is because he's basically... And I just look at that and I just, ah, oh, that must be really difficult. But knowing what I know about the dynamic between those two, between that, I, he's a friend, he's not a client, he's not coming to me for help to solve this, so I can't really tell him what to do. And I don't do that. I never offer advice to people anymore. I don't even offer advice to my clients. I don't say, I'm not giving you advice here. My job is to help emerge the voice within you, the navigation system within you, that will lead the way, that is wise to lead the way of your life when you've given that navigation to somebody else. You've given your GPS to somebody else. That's usually what happens when you're acting out of a wound, when you are so dissociated from yourself, you don't have a navigation system. And it's not even your fault that you don't have a navigation system. It is a product of your unconscious wounding. Well, what was Frank's unconscious wounding? Guess what it was? He didn't have a father. Dad left at the age of two, wanted nothing to do with the family. Oh, at the age of seven or eight, not at the age of two. Dad left at the age of seven or eight, and now he doesn't have a father. That's a big, deep abandonment wound. And what happens is when you have this wound, you've now dissociated from your, lower, from your younger self. Because the story that you make up from those wounds often are, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. If you find yourself consistently attracting narcissistic partners, I want you to look back at this wound that had you showing up in the world as not enough. In his case, in Frank's case, it was a father that left at the age of seven or eight. What that does to the nervous system of an eight-year-old, intuitively as an adult, we can look back and go, yeah, the dad had some issues. He was a little fucked in the head and he didn't know how to deal with what's going on around him. So he said, I'm going to check out and start a whole new family for whatever reason that he felt justified by. I can look at that. You can look at that and go, what a dick, right? But when it happens to you as you're the child, the story that happens in your body is so, the pain that happens in your body, the rejection, the trauma, the the, the fight or flight or freeze response that happens is so painful that it sends a message up into the brain and the brain starts to say, I got to make a meaning out of this feeling. Let me know if what I'm saying is resonating with you. And the meaning that you're going to make out of this feeling is that I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not good enough. I'm less than. 
So what happens is that isn't a cognitive process that you can talk your way out of. It's a feeling that lives in your body. And you will show up in relationships bringing that wound, that internal conflict in. And there you are, face to face with another human being with their own wounds. Often, you will meet someone whose wounds kind of opposingly match. In his case, he would meet women who had a wound for maybe a father wound as well of their own that felt not enough in their own way. So in order for them to prove that they were enough, they had to, because they couldn't meet their own needs. Okay, this is where narcissism comes in, where the wound is so powerful that you didn't feel seen, didn't feel heard. There was deep trauma of abandonment in your own way, possibly some abuse, where you felt so little and less than that you responded not having an identity and only are able to find an identity when somebody outside of you is validating you and telling you you're, you're the sun and the moon rise with you and make you their entire priority. Okay, adoration, uh, approval, all of that stuff in whatever form, financial, things. I can't meet my own needs, so I'm going to find somebody who has a torch, a, a, a weakened and vulnerable soul in their own way. My weak and vulnerable soul is going to perceive that person's weak and vulnerable soul that doesn't have direction of their own because of their own fragmenting from themselves. I'm going to take them on and partner with them because they're going to help me get my needs met. That's the unconscious mind of the covert narcissist. Now the covert codependent, now the codependent is living in the world of, in the body of, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of love. This is a wound that they're walking around with. And so here's a person outside who's validating me, telling me all the greatest things all the amazing romantic things, all the positive things, finally having me and has just enough of a problem or a weakness that I can actually help them. I can rescue them. I can solve them. I can help them and thereby creating an identity of power within myself through helping them financially, through helping them emotionally, through, they usually call this the enabler, the enabler or the co-alcoholic back in the Alcoholics Anonymous days, the, the codependent. This is the codependent. This is, they used to call it a co-alcoholic because the alcoholic couldn't do what they did without the other person enabling. So the codependent is constantly enabling the narcissist and the narcissist, excuse me, usually has a mental issue excuse me, a health issue, uh, an, an emotional issue, all of the above, or has an alcohol issue. And what happens is the codependent de develops their identity by helping and solving this person, helping and rescuing and becoming their savior. So that's coming from a wound of unworthiness that's walking in your body. It's there. You can't tell me it's not because your behavior will tell me what it is. 
your behavior is your unconscious mind. It's all locked into your body. And here's why therapy doesn't actually work because talking about it and knowing, oh, it's because of your father, it's because of the father thing, it's not enough to change the pattern. The pattern is only changed by getting into the body, by going into the shadow, by going into that darkness, by feeling the feelings of that younger wounded part of you and being the one to see them, being the one to give them what was missing from mom or dad because of their own wounding. And when you do, all of a sudden, you stop looking outside of you. And what happens is this pattern keeps happening again and again in relationships. And the most common, uh, it's like a script I see now, people DMing me on social media saying the same thing. <coughs> My husband's a narcissist. He's this, he's this. I was with, I was abused for 23 years, 25 years of toxic narcissistic abuse i suffered and oh poor me and ah and and so the i've been putting out content and man those karens are jumping down my throat because what happens is their perception is that i'm victim blaming the perception is that i'm blaming the codependent please understand this isn't victim blaming this is called taking responsibility this is called healing in order to heal it, you must first see your part in the dance. And it make no mistake, this is a dance that you're involved in. And if you don't see it as the dance that it is and find out where it came from, understand and heal the attachment wounds that it came from, this dance will be repeated with the next partner again and again, like in my friend Frank's case. Poor me victim story coming up again and again and again. Now, how do you turn this around? Well, you first get a couple of concepts. I'm going to help you uncover and change this concept. Let me know if this is resonating for you or if this is pissing you off. If you're new to this group and you're hearing this, me talking this way for the first time, I get it. I trigger a lot of people. I'm telling the truth here and there's nothing more triggering than the truth. And so you might want to leave this community if this is, this is going to be confronting you and I would completely understand because my only conversation is, is in, interested in not to blame who's to blame because that's the childish part of us that wants to blame the other. It's not me, it's him. <clears throat> See, I'm lovable. I'm here to tell you that both parties are acting unconsciously entangled from a wound and that wound of abandonment, that wound of not enoughness comes from something that's stuck in the body that you might not even be, well, you might be aware of it here, <clears throat> but you haven't had the changing of the somatic experiencing of it, which is a process. It takes a good couple of years to really master it. This is what this entire community is about. <clears throat> I create trainings for my community to be able to change those patterns of childhood. Because if you don't change those patterns of childhood, your future is already determined for you. Is it fate or is it free will? It's not free will when you're unconsciously, energetically tied to those wounds. There is no free will. It is pretty much predicted. Frank, unless he heals this, his next relationship, he's going to get into another relationship as the codependent because now he's doubly wounded. But what will happen is it's going to start amplifying. It just starts to get worse. This is what happened with me. It became worse. I would try to heal an even bigger broken bird because I felt so worthless as who I am. I didn't feel deserving of a powerful woman who 
was emotionally mature to be able to handle her own business, her own emotional business. I would choose people that I could fix so that I could be the helper, I could derive my identity, I could be important, I could be relevant so that I never felt abandoned anymore because I was abandoned as a child in my body. That, that's what my body says. So I would attract that type of pa patient, client, client, client as well. It works the same way when you have codependency and narcissism with, the, with your work as well. The same principles apply. It's pretty fascinating. So what happens is he is going to find somebody now with a deeper wound that he can fix. Because here's the thing. By me fixing this other person's wound and enabling them and helping and fixing, I don't have to deal with my own unworthiness. I don't have to deal with my own wounded inner child. I can now focus on this person's and then become important to them. And so what happens is you get into that relationship with someone and because you don't know who you are, you don't know what your values are. You don't know what's meaningful to you. You've just basically been living for making another person your purpose. You know, any in any dynamic, any area of your life you don't empower, you attract somebody to overpower you. So you're this codependent on the next relationship. The only person naturally that will be catching you is the another narcissistic trait. Another person heavy in their narcissistic kind of way of being, and they will be able to easily manipulate somebody. I can, you, you can easily manipulate somebody who doesn't really know who they are, right? We've, and here's the crazy part. Healing this is first understanding, number one, any area of, of my, please write this down. Any area of my life that I don't empower, somebody else overpowers. It's just the law of nature. In two people, in a dynamic on a friendship, there's always going to be a dominant and a submissive. Animals do this. It's in nature. So the more, the more uh, codependent and lack of self connection that I have, the more I'm going to be drawn to somebody who has a very strong, powerful sense of self of what they want. And they know they, what, what they want and they have clarity on it. And so that person's going to be like a moth to a flame to that person. The narcissistic and the codependent are like this, like, like this together. Two codependents don't go well one another because no one's taking the lead. And two narcissists don't go well. Like somebody who's got a type A, like, you know, when I'm, when, you know, type A type personalities don't work well with other type A personalities in relationship, in case you haven't noticed. So... So basically then what will happen is you won't have boundaries because of those wounds. You will be fixing and pleasing and you'll be trying to rescue or enable. And here's what happens. You're playing the savior role because that's where you're going to get your identity. And because you don't have an ability to save them, you're just enabling them, you stunt their growth and hold yourself as the pleaser role. as the code. But then here's the problem. You're codependent. You're still dependent on that other person. They run your life. Oh my gosh. How many times do I hear this? And this is gonna this might trigger you. How many times do I hear this? Help, my husband's a narcissist. It's been 20 narcissistic abusive. Help me. I need help. I need to solve this. 
Okay, he's this, this, this. I'm a shell of a human. I'm lost. I'm broken. I need help. Help me solve this. I'm like, well, we have a workshop coming up on Sunday called the Overview Experience, which we do, by the way. And there you're going to start to uncover the attachment wounds, why they're there, how it all makes sense, where it started from, and you're going to start the process of unpacking it all so that you can fill that void. Okay, hold on. Here's the response I would get. Guess what they would say? Well, first, let me check with my husband. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Hold on one sec. You're in a situation where this is like life or death for you. Okay, this is your life. And you've now gotten yourself in a position where you're blaming him for being the narcissist. And you have an opportunity to heal that. And you can't because you need to check with him first. And he and, and you're a victim to this. My question to you is this. How did you get yourself in that situation where your own healing is in somebody else's hands? It needs permission by someone else. Here's the question that I have for you in that case, if that's you, if I'm talking to you, and this is you, and I, I'm not trying to call you out. I, I don't know who you are. I've just had this conversation maybe 500 times, okay? The thing I want to scream, which I can't because you're probably going to get triggered and run, <laughs> is this. What if he says no? What if your partner says no, you can't do it? What then? And then here's the next question. How did you manage to get yourself in that situation? And how is it his responsibility to get you out? Why would it be? See, why would he want to change a situation that favors him? People don't actively do things to try to remove their power. This is up to you. This is entirely your journey, not his. I'm talking to this one specific type of person who keeps messaging me about the same thing and we get into the same conversation. Okay, there's one, it's only 397 bucks. It's affordable. If you're committed, most people have the ability unless there's huge financial uh, upheaval going on, which is happening a lot right now as well, are able to put together that to get started on the process. Now I have to check with my husband Okay, so that's where we begin. We begin, if you actually want to change that scenario, to not to, to get yourself to a place where you're not having to check with anyone else. Who's responsible for you? And there, in that conversation, exposes the very problem. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at 
breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma it didn't start with you but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. That you need somebody else's permission who, by the way, won't like the idea of you growing and gaining power. Let me say that again. They will find anything, if they're in that, if they're truly who you say they are, then they will not approve of you doing something that empowers you because it will threaten your relationship with them. They will be threatened by your empowerment because by keeping you disempowered in whatever way maintains their level of empowerment. And you've now been faced with the reality that you've gotten yourself in a situation, you have gotten yourself in a situation through no fault of your own, by the way, I'm not saying this is your fault. I'm not saying that this is your fault. I'm saying this is your responsibility. This is not, please understand, this isn't the victim blaming. This isn't your fault. This is your responsibility. And here's what happens when you take the responsibility. You start to see that he's behaving towards you not because of your unworthiness. It's because of his wounds. And you are in this situation entangled with him, not because he's a bad person, not because you're a bad person. It's because you're unconsciously pulled towards familiarity from wounds. And you are teaching each other how to treat each other. And any area of your life you haven't empowered, somebody else is overpowering you. It's just the way that it goes. And so it's on you to empower yourself. Should I stay? Should I go? Well, you want to make sure that when you get to that place that you're leaving, but you're not leaving, you're not, you're just divorcing the right person. Oftentimes you're trying, you're leaving this person, but you're trying to divorce your mother. You must divorce from your mother and father first. That's what the work is. Whenever we have people coming on to our uh, workshops and our programs, a lot of times they're stuck in that limbo state. Should I stay or should I go? And I always tell them, I always say, don't rush into this decision because you want to make sure that when you set, I'm not saying that every relationship should get back together. No. You want to make sure that when you decide which direction that you're going to go, that you're leaving the right partner. Your first work before you leave that relationship is to divorce yourself from your mother or father first by the entanglement between your mother and father by the enmeshment between your mother and father enmeshment meaning i can't separate my emotions from theirs because if you haven't dealt with the enmeshment between your mother and father which i was completely enmeshed in in so many years if they were disappointed in me i was disappointed in me if they were critical of me, I was critical of me. That's called enmeshment. Okay, there's, there's a, it's very common. 
And so I knew that I was in these toxic, narcissistic, codependent patterns. And finally, two years ago, after it hit me where things got really like crazy, like it would just get one relationship after another and they would be more wounded and wounded. Finally, I dated the most wounded person that I ever met as a way of me being important. And we went into this toxic, narcissistic, codependent cycle until finally when that ended, I was like, I know what this is about. I got to actually, in order for me to get, I really wanted, all I wanted was a secure attachment. All I wanted, I was like, I'm willing to pay $1 million. I looked at it and I calculated, I said, it's probably worth about a million dollars to have, or minimum, millions of dollars, whatever your potential is to have a secure attached relationship. I would pay whatever it takes. That's all I want because I, I don't know how to have one. I'm 43 years old. I have a twin brother who's married with, with two children. He's doing okay. Why am I so fucked up? <laughs> what, what, what's wrong with me? And I'm willing, I was like, I will pay everything I have to learn, whoever is going to teach me, to learn how to have a secure attached relationship where I actually feel there's a mutuality. I'm not there rescuing someone. They're not there rescuing me. We have what's called a healthy interdependence rather than a codependency. That's a transactional type of relationship. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So I moved in with my parents and I started to divorce myself from the enmeshment of my parents. That was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I've got a chiropractic degree. I've started a business. I'd left the chiropractic profession to start a business uh, that was outside of my the four walls of my office in the middle of you know doing the doing amazing that was scary to do this to do what I'm doing now five years ago six years ago not knowing if it was gonna land not knowing if I was gonna be able to if it was gonna work that was scary but healing my attachment wounds was hands down the the, the greatest accomplishment that I have and as a result of doing that I've been able to basically get the holy grail of human existence. A secure attached relationship with my wife, who's back there. Say hi. <laughs> She's my fucking sunshine. <laughs> and yeah, and after I have that, pretty much I feel like I'm, I'm unstoppable now. I feel safe. It's really cool to be able to go through the unknown universe with somebody who's with you and experiencing it with you, the unknown with you as an adventure into the unknown when you feel secure and stable and healthy inter and, and healthily interdependent on one another. It makes the adventure a lot better. Trust me when I tell you that. And I can say that with truth because I've never had that before. It was always a codependent type of pattern. And that is a sign you're active, unconsciously acting from a wound. And I wanted to leave you with this one last little thought um, about this topic. Let me know if this is landing for you. What's been your biggest takeaway so far about you? How is what I'm saying about you? I'd like to know because I'm taking responsibility for this community to be able to teach you and walk you up the mountain to secure attachments. So we can do that in our transmissions here. That's going to help kind of like point your attention in the right direction of what to look for. At the end of the day, 
the work is up to us to do and to keep alive day to day within us. The work, the conscious being consciously aware of what I'm choosing in each moment is, is work that must stay alive within me each day, which requires some accountability requires up to be in the conversation not just to watch people message me he goes hey i can't make your overview experience on sunday can i can you give me the replay and i'll watch i'm like no you can't watch this is not a watch type of scenario this isn't a i'm gonna sit in the sideline and watch no this is a get on the court and go back and rescue that little seven-year-old that dad left and really start a brand new relationship and keep that conversation alive because your nervous system is so used to self-abandonment. It's been so used to it that just doing it over a day or a weekend or doing a breathwork workshop isn't going to keep the work alive in your nervous system. You, you, you have an awareness, great, but then until your next trigger, your identity of your old self, the self-abandoning one that doesn't feel worthy of love is so powerful that within days you're pulled back into your old self if you went to our breathwork seminar on sunday and you had like a massive revelation guess what how are you doing now three four five days later when you've had the triggers knock you back into old wounds you've had the triggers bring your nervous system from that ventral state that connection that you had after the breathwork and inner child meditation and then boom back into your dorsal state where you're in a freeze again in that old identity what are you going to do then it takes consistency to change these patterns and it takes us to be in a conversation of healing and growth and difficult conversations of empowerment taking responsibility and saying yeah i'm going to claim i'm the i'm the authority of my life I'm the one responsible. It's not my fault and it's my responsibility. And I don't need to ask anyone else's permission or approval. I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going to carve out space, a sacred pause for me. Dare. Oh my gosh. You're going to have to override the guilt of that. But when people, and here's what happens. What if people say no? What if your partner says, no, I don't want you to? And they go into their wound or their feeling, their wounded child comes up and feels unworthy because you're doing that. What then? Are you able, are you going to abandon yourself again? Or are you going to empathize with you in understanding why you're doing it and why it's important for the whole family, for the kids especially? Because if you don't get this right, boom, guess what? It passes to the kids. It just, the cycle keeps repeating. It didn't start with you and it can end with you. It's got to be that important. So um, I forget the thought that I wanted to leave you with. Oh, here it is, here it is. Anytime you are pointing a finger, calling someone a narcissist, what's happening is there's a blind spot for you because the codependent is a covert narcissist. Let me say that again. The codependent empath, consider the possibility that you're a covert narcissist yourself which is all of this giving and pleasing that you're doing, you think you're doing it and you just gave of yourself for this other person, when in reality you were doing it to be important. You were doing it for approval. You were doing it to please. You were doing it to because you want to be the good girl or the good boy. It was pure, it was narcissistic. It was to get your needs met, your emotional needs met. Sometimes it's your physical needs met. You're doing it for a narcissistic selfish reason and I'm not saying that's there anything wrong with that it's just if you want to heal from it it's wise for you to be able to see it 
and observe it and notice it. There it is. Ah, so you can choose your own reality. Otherwise, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you'll call it fate. It's important for you to look at it. And it's painful when you look at it. You don't want to admit it. And you're going to say, fuck you, Nima. I get that a lot. My clients tell me that they want to tattoo fuck you, Nima on their wrist in Farsi. <clears throat> because the truth hurts. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not the type, I'm, the, I'm a very compassionate type of uh, mentor and, and guide. Uh, but I can, uh, I, it's peace and love with a little go fuck yourself, you know, because sometimes we need that, don't we? We need somebody who cares enough to go, eh, yeah, you know what? You're full of shit. <laughs> so you are to find your reflection. Where am I being the narcissist? Where am I trying to? And then you realize your rescuing is a form of your narcissism is a form of your validation and your approval. You're doing it for that purpose. And so the work begins to stop looking outside and stop pointing fingers and stop labeling because we're all the same. The narcissist is also a codependent towards you. They're a covert codependent. They are so needy of validation that they chose someone who basically will make you the sun and the moon and the stars. That will make, that will be uh, their form of validation from their wounds. So they are codependent on you for emotional validation, helping, fixing. They need you. They're, you're the helper. So they're completely codependent on you. Right? So being able to see your role in this drama triangle, see your role in the dance is critical if you want to heal it. And I invite you if this is triggering you enough and what I'm saying is bothering you, it means there's a wound there. And this is installment number six of seven of signs you're acting from a wound is your tendency to attract narcissistic partners. Please note, and it's not your fault. <laughs> so this isn't victim blaming. It isn't your fault. And it is your responsibility because if you empower those disempowered areas of your life, you then feel worthy of attracting somebody who's willing to meet you on, the, on that level. So I realize I'm not a helper or fixer anymore. I'm actually uh, with a partner who is able to help and fix, and we have a healthy interdependence. We have, it's not completely needless of one another, uh, but aware of what our needs are and are able to communicate them and not be covert about it. That's really what you get out of the other side. If this is um, interesting for you, and this is something that you're ready to dive into. We have five spots opening. We have five spots open for Sunday's workshop to come and learn and start that process of untangling. And I just left the link in the comment section. Send me a DM if you have any specific questions that are, or, or just ask in this, in this thing if any specific things that you want to know. Here's basically how it works. We bring your trigger from this relationship, all of these wounds that you've been following along on this, uh, on this, um, these broadcasts. You're going to bring it there and we're going to teach you. I'm going to teach you with the community. There's a container how to separate from stimulus and response. Where that stimulus of that trigger comes from, back to the old wound, finding where it is how to resource it, how to reparent. If you went to the breathwork uh, workshop, you'll then know, oh, okay, I started that connection. How do I go deeper? 
we go into that. You get to see it and uh, you get to experience a massive shift. You get to learn this methodology that helps to rewire the brain so that after two weeks, three weeks, four weeks of practicing it, you look around you and the relationships are totally different. I'm living proof of it. Um, she's absolutely thrilled to be with me all the time, right? She's like this. Um, and um, it's the holy grail. It doesn't mean that life will be perfect. It just means you will have skills. Instead of acting out from a wound, you'll be able to go inside and resource yourself. And instead of unconsciously acting from your wounds and attracting these types of partners, you're able to have mutuality. You're able to have a partner who treats you with the same level of respect you treat yourself. I'm super stoked. Let me know if you have any questions of what was relevant for you, and we'll see you at the next perfect time.